Well, welcome to Epic, everybody, and I'm so glad that you're here, whether you're joining us on campus, you're joining us online. Thanks for joining us today. As Sarah said, we are in part two of our Soul Care series, and as we get into this, I'm, I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked last week, and uh, uh, you don't need to answer out loud as we begin, but if you were to answer this question, how is your soul doing? How are you doing at the deepest parts of who you are. Now, I know that that can be a really challenging question to answer uh, because a lot of us really don't know how to define soul. And that's interesting because uh, I found as I was preparing for this series that we use the word soul way more than we realize. We drive soul cars, we eat soul food with our soulmates, listen to soul music. And uh, often we don't know how to define the word soul. So in just a minute, I'm going to give you a working definition that we're using for most of this series. But before we get to that, I have another question for you. And that question is, how is the soul of our nation doing right now? Yeah, by your response, I can tell many of us think it's not doing really good. Even without a definition for the word soul, we all kind of can tell things aren't going well in our nation. We are divided in some horrible ways, and that division continues to get bigger and bigger, and it's causing us to do some really crazy things. So as we begin today, I want to ask you to do several things with me, okay? Number one, I want to ask you to be a peacemaker. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are those who work for peace, He said, blessed are those who step into areas of conflict and bring peace. Blessed are those who step into chaos and calm the chaos down. So I think right now it's really important for us to be peacemakers and to not add chaos to what's happening. So will you agree with me this morning to be peacemakers? All right, I got one in the front row. I need more of you, okay? I'll ask the question again. You can participate out loud. Will you agree to be peacemakers? Thank you. Second thing I want to ask you to do is be a unifier. Be a unifier. So Jesus prayed in John 17 that his followers would be one, just as he and his heavenly heavenly father are one. And now is an amazing opportunity for us to be one in our church family, to be one with other churches, other Christ followers, and to be an example to so many people in our world who have no idea what oneness and unity is all about. And get this, we can be one with people we disagree with. There's a lot of people that don't understand that today. It's actually possible to be unified with someone who votes different, acts different, looks different than you do. It's actually possible for us to be unified with other people that we may disagree with on political issues or theological issues, and Jesus prayed that we would be one. So I'm going to ask, would you be willing to be a unifier instead of a divider? Thank you. Last thing I want to ask is for us to seek God together 
on behalf of our nation. God said in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. That's a powerful statement from God there. And there are actually people who believe that that statement from God only applies to the Israelites in the time frame around when God spoke to King Solomon. But I don't believe that. Uh, That verse says, if my people. So if you're a Christ follower, guess what? You're God's people. And if we humble ourselves, if we seek his face, if we turn from our wickedness, the stuff that hurts our relationship with God, God says he will hear from heaven, he will work in our lives, he will work in us and through us. And so uh, we're gonna start today by seeking God together. So would you pray with me? God, our nation right now is struggling. Lord, uh, the division that is there Um, is getting bigger and bigger. And those divisions are hurting a lot of people and literally tearing our nation apart. And so God, you've asked us as your followers to be an example to the world and how to be unified. You've asked us to be peacemakers, to step into conflict and bring peace. You've asked us to be unifiers, and to be one just as you are one with your heavenly father. And Lord, you've asked us to humble ourselves, to turn from our sin, the stuff that we do that hurts our relationship with God and hurts other people. You've asked us to humbly seek your face. God, you are the only one who can right the ship. You're the only one who can bring unity where there is such division. Lord, may we be your people who model what unity and peacemaking looks like in our own lives, in our families, in our church family, where we work, in our community. And Lord, may that be contagious around the entire world. God, we pray for the soul of our nation. God, we also pray this morning that you would help us learn how to care for our souls because as we're learning, how we care for our souls often impacts how we interact with the world. So teach us today how to care for our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for doing that with me this morning. All right, so... um, Here is the working definition that we are using for the word soul in this series, for at least most of this series. And at the end of this series, we're gonna tweak that a little bit based upon a way that Jesus defines soul as well. But as we find in scripture, if you read through scripture, you'll find that that often soul is defined as our personality, our emotions, our mind, our thoughts, our heart, kind of the core of who we are as human beings. So again, that's kind of what we're uh, referring to when we talk about our souls. And last week, we found out that our souls can take on many conditions. They can be joyful, refreshed, thankful, content, peaceful, or they can be weary. They can be anxious. They can be distracted. They can be overwhelmed. 
They can be lonely. And the condition of our soul is often based on how we care for our souls. And I think as we look around our world, we would say there's a lot of people not doing a really good job of caring for their souls. And we're seeing that bleed out into our culture and our nation and even in our world. And one of the big takeaways from last week was this. We are responsible for the condition of our soul. I'm responsible for the condition of my soul. You're responsible for the condition of your soul. If my soul or your soul gets to a bad place, guess what? We're not the victims of life. We can't point our fingers at other people. We are responsible for getting our soul to a better place. And so that's what we're trying to learn together in this series. And last week, we started by me talking about the condition of my soul. And I told you that over the past few years, I found that my soul has been weary. And if you're okay with me being vulnerable again with you this morning, I'd like to tell you another condition my soul has experienced this past year. So are you okay with more vulnerability from me? Okay, great. Remember you said that. All right, this past year, my soul has not only been weary, but it it has also been anxious. I've experienced larger amounts of anxiety in my life over this past year than really I have ever experienced in my life. And I'm not somebody who typically battles anxiety very often. Uh, But as I look back over this past year, I think like all of us, have experienced larger amounts of anxiety after we've gone through 2020. And actually, when I look back at all that we've gone through, I think we all meet the clinical definition of post-traumatic stress disorder because this past year has been just a little stressful. I told you last week that after 20 years in ministry, my soul had become weary. And then COVID struck around March of last year. And as COVID struck, our staff had hundreds of decisions to make, just like you had hundreds of decisions to make in your organizations or in your personal lives. And we had decisions to make like this. Like, what are we gonna do if the schools close? If the schools close, that's where we have services. Like, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna continue to have services? How are we gonna continue to serve our church family and our community because that's the heartbeat of our church? How will we lead our church through this crazy pandemic that none of us have ever been through before? What do we do if one of our church members or staff members contracts COVID? How do we handle that? Then in February, February, we started a big campaign. It was our Four Flagler campaign, big vision. We feel like God has for us, for our community, serving our community in significant ways. And we were planning to, to raise $2.5 million. And, and we're thinking as we started uh, working through COVID, like what, what happens to that? Is that big vision that we have, is it out the window? So as we were walking through those early stages of COVID, our staff would get together daily, we would make plans, and then we would scrap those plans. And there'd be another variable that would come in that would change our plans, and we'd make more plans, and we'd scrap those plans, and we'd make more plans, and we'd scrap those plans. Sometimes it was day by day, sometimes it was week by week, sometimes it was hour by hour. We'd have a plan, say, let's go. All right, team, break, go do it, an hour later. Nope, we gotta start over. There's a new variable. Something has changed. Then I got really anxious 
when I walked into Walmart and found out that somebody bought all the toilet paper in the whole store. Like that was just craziness. And then I found out they bought the toilet paper in the whole world. Like you couldn't find toilet paper. That stuff was like gold. And, uh, you know, I, I was thinking, whoever at the toilet paper company came up with that strategy, hey, during COVID, let's get everybody to buy all the toilet paper. Whoever came up with that strategy is a genius, and they should be hired at all of our organizations. So COVID got a lot of us wondering, and it created a lot of anxiety in us, and it, it made a lot of us wondering, wonder, what's worse, COVID or our reaction to COVID? Then came George Floyd's tragic death and the racial tension that followed. And everyone was so vocal about that tragedy, it felt like we as a staff couldn't do anything right. If we said one thing, some people got angry. If we said another thing, other people got angry. If we said nothing, still more people got angry. And it caused uh, me and some of our staff members a little anxiety about how do we handle this in a way that's appropriate to God. Then we had our calmest, kindest presidential election ever. You guys remember that? Oh yeah, it was still going on this past week. So with our nation looking at two very different candidates with two very different agendas, many of us found ourselves anxious about the future. So this past year, again, I have battled large amounts of anxiety in my life and in my role as a leader. And I know I'm not alone. So how many of you would say you have battled anxiety or you know someone who's battled anxiety this past year? Okay, a lot of us have battled anxiety. Here's some interesting statistics about anxiety. Anxiety is the most common mental health issue in the United States, affecting around 40 million adults. 40 million people. So if you ever feel like you're alone, you're not. There are a lot of us battling this. The National Center for Health Statistics reports that the number of people impacted by anxiety has risen in the past year over 40%. Like, do you think? Like, yes. Like, a lot of us are more anxious than we've ever been because of what's happened this past year. And you might be interested to know that Jesus dealt with anxiety. That might be a new thought for some of you. It was a new thought for me as I was preparing for this message. It's a new thought to think about that because I've never really thought about Jesus and anxiety. I thought about all the stuff that he'd gone through. I knew it was horrible. Some of the stuff that Jesus faced was horrible. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But I never really thought about the anxiety related to what Jesus went through. So listen to what Mark, one of Jesus' followers, recorded for us about Jesus anxiety that he experienced. In Mark 14, after Jesus celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples, uh, verse 32 says, they went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. Now, the Greek word that's translated troubled means to be full of heaviness, full of depression, and in great distress. 
And the Greek word translated distressed means to be thrown into terror. So I think we can easily say that Jesus faced large amounts of anxiety based on the terror that he was about to experience. Just a few moments from this encounter while Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane there. And just a few moments later, Judas, one of his 12 disciples, would show up with some temple guards and some Roman guards, and they would arrest him and accuse him of things that he did not do. He would then be put on six different trials that were unfair, and he would uh, stand and face those trials with no one standing to defend him. He would be found guilty, again, for things he didn't do. He would be nailed to a cross with large spikes driven in his wrist, in his feet, he would have these huge crown of thorns, these thorns that are super sharp and, and super thick, forced onto his head, forcing all kinds of blood to drain over his body. He would be whipped until he was unrecognizable as a human being. That's what scripture says. Take the sin of the world on his shoulders as if he had committed those sins and he never sinned. He would have soldiers mock him spit on him, rip his beard out. He would go through all of that with his heavenly father not stepping in because they both agreed this is the plan for redeeming fallen mankind. So I think if we were about to face all that Jesus faced, I think we would be a little troubled and a little anxious and distressed at the same time. But I want you to see what Jesus did with his anxiety. Verse 34 says uh, that Jesus said to Peter, James, and John, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Now, I don't know why this seems strange to me, um, but it's interesting to me that Jesus spoke to his small group about the condition of his anxiety. It's interesting to me that Jesus did that because I'm thinking here we have God in the flesh who doesn't need to talk to anybody about his emotions. And yet Jesus took the time to tell his small group, I'm struggling. I need your help right now. I need you to pray with me. I need you to keep watch. I need you to help me right now because my soul is crushed beyond belief. So it's, it's kind of interesting to me that Jesus did that, but it's not interesting to me that we need to do that. Like that's a thing that we need to do to take care of our souls. We've got to talk to trusted friends in our lives if we're gonna learn how to take care of our anxious souls. And I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul said about that in Galatians chapter six, verse two. He said, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself, you're not that important. I just love Paul's bluntness right there. Paul was a blunt author. And so he says like, hey, if you think you're too important to get off your high horse and help somebody, you're just not. So swallow your pride. Help somebody. Help somebody with an anxiety issue that they're dealing with, with a relationship struggle, with a sin burden that they have in their life. Step in their world and help them. 
We all need to learn how to do this. God was so specific and serious about us doing this, he calls this a law of Christ. So a law of Christ is we help other people in their time of need. So a question for us this morning is, who are you sharing your burdens with? Who are you sharing your burdens with? Who are you reaching out to to say, like Jesus, I'm struggling right now. I could use your help. I need some prayer. I need you to point me back towards truth. Jesus didn't struggle with his understanding of truth, but there are many moments that we struggle with our understanding of truth. And many times we forget it and we need somebody to come alongside of us and say, hey, remember what God said. Remember what God promised. Remember what God has done and what God will do. So we need that in our lives. So who are you sharing your burdens with and whose burdens are you sharing? Like, who in your world are you helping to bear their burdens? One of our values at Epic is living in authentic community. And the strategy that we have for that is what we call small groups. So we have men's groups, women's groups, couples groups. We have uh, small groups for our students, small groups for our children. There are small groups happening right now on campus. And uh, we want everybody who's connected with Epic to get plugged into a small group where you can be prayed for, prayed with, loved, and helped to become more like Jesus. And if you're not in a small group, I challenge you to get into a small group. If you've never been in a small group before and you're new to Epic, I encourage you to to start with Starting Point. If you've got some financial issues, take Financial Peace University. If you need to, to learn more about prayer, take 40 days in prayer. There are many small groups that you can be a part of. And we want you to learn what it means to live in authentic community with other people. In my life, I have been a part of a small group, many small groups, for over the past 23 years. And I got to tell you, when I first went to a church that had small groups as their community strategy, uh, I fought it. I didn't want anything to do with it. And uh, so my wife said, hey, I would like us to go to a small group. And I said, no, thanks. I don't want to do that. I don't want to talk to people I don't know about uh, me or our stuff. So uh, no. Guess what we did, I think, later that week. You can tell how persuasive I am with my wife. So we went to this couples group. And on our drive home, I said to her, you talked way too much about us to people that we don't know. So don't do that again. I'm not going back. We went back the next week (laughs) and we learned how to talk more with other people about our lives. And I've learned in my life, I cannot live without a group of people around me who will point me back towards Jesus. So I have that in my life. I've had that in my life for years. I have it now. I meet with people on a regular basis to point me back towards God's truth. And I'm so grateful for that. If you don't have that, you need it because it's one of the ways that we can take care of our soul. So Jesus dealt with his anxiety by talking to his trusted friends. And then I want you to see what he did next. In Mark 14, verse 35, it says, Jesus went on a little farther and he fell to the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. So Jesus not only talked with his trusted friends, but he talked with his heavenly father as well to deal with the anxiety that was in his life. He cried out to his heavenly father and said, God, if there's any other way, please 
Let's find that other way. I'm not sure that I can face what I'm about to face. And I don't know if you find encouragement from that prayer, but I find some encouragement from it for several reasons. The first is this. Um, That prayer of Jesus means that anxiety in and of itself is not sin. And you may wonder, is anxiety sin? Anxiety can lead to sin. If we get to a spot where we say, you know what, my issue, my, this thing that causes stress in my life is so big, it's bigger than God. God can't do anything with this issue. That's a sin issue. But anxiety in and of itself may not be a sin issue. Again, Jesus battled some anxiety. Another encouraging thing from this means that we can pray the same prayer that Jesus prayed. We can pray the same prayer. We can say, God, I'm dealing with a a thing that's causing great stress and anxiety in my life. Would you please take this thing away? And sometimes God will do that. Uh, Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 11. Verse 11, he says, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So God loves to give good gifts to his kids. And if you're a follower of Jesus, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus uh, for what he's done on the cross for you, you are one of his God's children. And you can ask God to remove things from your life. You can ask him to help you fix things in your life. So if you've got a marriage that's, that's broken or relationships that are damaged around you, you can ask him to help you fix those and reduce some of the the anxiety those things are causing. You can ask him to help pay those medical bills maybe that are causing big anxiety in your life and you're not sure how those things are gonna be paid for. We can ask God to remove anxiety from us and we shouldn't be uh, afraid to ask God of those things because Jesus did. Then the apostle Paul tells us, about one of God's good gifts in Philippians 4, 6. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So one of the good gifts that God loves to give us is unexplainable peace. We can experience that in the midst of anxiety. We can experience that when we're facing something that that just has us stressed out. And we can ask God to remove that thing. And, And guess what? We can even experience God's peace and trust him even if God says no. So I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but God the Father said no to God the Son. Jesus came along and and said, God, if there's another way, would you remove this? Would you take it away? God the Father said, no, I can't do that, son, because then we can't redeem mankind. The apostle Paul came along and, and prayed one time to God and said, God, there's this thorn in my flesh, and we're not exactly sure what that thorn was. He said, there's a thorn in my flesh that is just driving me crazy. Would you please take it away? And in that moment, God said, no. God said, my grace is sufficient for you when you're weak, I'm strong. So no, 
I'm going to leave that in your life so we can trust God and still experience peace even if God says no to the thing that we're asking him to remove. So Jesus dealt with his anxiety by talking to his friends, by talking to his heavenly father, and then watch what he did next. In verse 36 of Mark 14, Jesus prayed, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. So Jesus not only told his heavenly father, listen, I'm gonna move forward. It doesn't matter. Whatever you do, if you say no, if there's no other way, then the horrible suffering that I'm about to experience, if there's no other way, I'm gonna move forward through my fear, through my anxiety. He told God the Father that, he told himself that, and I don't think he just told himself that, I think he told his soul that. Listen to what author and pastor John Ortberg says about talking to our souls in his book called Soul Keeping. He said, the formation of the soul is the most important process in the universe. In our day, we talk a lot about self-talk, but in the Bible, people talk to their souls. The difference between talking to yourself and talking to your soul is that the soul exists in the presence of God. When you speak to the soul, it naturally turns to prayer because in the soul, God is always present. Now, I know this sounds weird, but I think for us to learn how to care for our anxious souls, we have to learn to talk to ourselves less and talk to our souls more. So here's what happens for me when I talk to myself, and I talk to myself a lot. So if I've got an issue that's created some anxiety in my life, whether that's a relationship or just a circumstance that's happened in my life, I will analyze that scenario or that circumstance or that conflict that's happened. I will analyze it. I'll reanalyze it. I'll analyze it again. When I'm done analyzing it, I'll analyze it some more. Uh, I'll talk to myself about it all, all day, all night. I'll sleep talk about it, and I'll make myself more anxious at the end than, when I, than I, I was than when it happened. So anybody else do that kind of crazy cycle in your own life when it comes to anxiety? Yeah, there's, there's many of us that do that. Here's what happens when I talk to my soul. When I ask my soul, soul, why are you weary? I find myself calming down a little bit, And I actually find myself talking to God. And the Holy Spirit often will remind me of a Bible verse that I could use in that moment, facing that scenario, to help me deal with whatever I'm dealing with. When it comes to anxiety, one of the most powerful verses that the Holy Spirit uses for me is 2 Timothy 1.7. This might be one you want to write down and look up later. It's not going to come up on the screens. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. So there are moments I say, God, I'm afraid, I'm anxious, like I don't know what to do. And the Holy Spirit says, God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. So live out of that. Don't live out of your fear. Don't live out of, out of your anxiety. So we've got to learn how to talk to our souls more and talk to ourselves less. So what do you need to talk to your soul about? Are you anxious about a relationship that's falling apart? 
Are you anxious about your financial stability? Are you afraid of COVID? Are you afraid of our response to COVID? Are you anxious about the future of our nation? What do you need to talk to your soul about? Identify that and then do what Jesus did. So Jesus started by talking to his trusted friends. So talk to some trusted friends. And I don't mean just anybody. Talk to someone who will point you back towards God's truth. If you don't have people like that in your life, you need to develop those relationships. And again, a great way to do that is get active in one of our small groups here at church. So talk to some trusted friends and talk to God. We need to learn how to talk to God on a regular basis. And my challenge in this series is that we spend 30 minutes a day spending time with Jesus. 30 minutes a day. And I know as you hear that, you might think like 30 minutes a day. Where am I going to find 30 minutes a day? I guarantee you we have 30 minutes. I guarantee you. We have 30 minutes to do one of the most important things we can do in our life, and that is to learn to take care of our souls. So find 30 minutes. Spend time with Jesus. Speak to him. Let him speak to you. And then talk more to your soul than you do yourself. So stop analyzing and reanalyzing and reanalyzing and rehashing that thing that happened at work a week ago. Stop doing that. And start talking to your soul. And as you do that, learn how to respond to that situation based on God speaking to you and teaching you how you need to respond in that moment. Last week, I told you about three things that can help us learn how to care for our souls better. And the first thing is our uh, journals that we're making available to everybody. So it's just a, a journal that uh, doesn't have any, anything written in it other than some instructions at the beginning. These are free, free gift to you. There are some at the back of each seating section. I think there's some at our Connection Center as well. And what I'm encouraging us to do throughout this series is answer two questions. And they're found in the beginning of this book. And the first question is this. God, how is my soul really doing? So every day, ask that question and listen for how God is going to answer that. Second question is, God, how can I take better care of my soul? And as God speaks, write your answers. So this is my journal. This is what I'm hearing God say to me. And I encourage you to get into the practice of talking to God and writing down what God says to you. What we write down often, we implement more in our lives than anything else. So pick up a soul care journal and then grab one of our spiritual growth challenges. And you can pick those up at our Connection Center before you leave. It's just a half page uh, document that we've put together that helps us dig deeper in what we're talking about on Sunday. There's a Bible reading plan there. So if you're new and you don't know where to start in the Bible, there's a great place to start in the Bible. Follow along Monday through Friday. And then there's some other questions there to ask yourself, to ask other people on a deeper level of what we're talking about. And then... At our Connection Center as well, we have our fasting preparation guide. So we have a fast coming a week from tomorrow. On January the 18th through the 30th, we're going to have a two-week fast together as a church. And we do this every year, at the beginning of every year in the life of our church. So this is the 11th year that we've done this. And I encourage you to join us in doing this. So if you're brand new to us, brand new to the whole idea of fasting, don't let that scare you. It is an ancient spiritual discipline, but it's something that anybody can participate in. And it is the practice of giving up something physical to get something spiritual. Most often in scripture, fasting is related to food. Most often, 
often. There are a few instances of fasting an activity. So I encourage people to fast two things. Find a food item that you can fast from, and you can go from everything from your favorite dessert to all food altogether. There's, there's many things that you can do in that spectrum. And then I encourage you to find an activity that you're fasting from as well. So it may be a favorite hobby. It may be time on the internet, maybe time on social media. Now would be a wonderful time to fast social media if you've ever thought about that, um, especially to care for your soul. So find something food-related, find something activity activity related and set those things aside. Now here's some of the principles of fasting that, that, that helps us grow in our relationship with God. Fasting is about replacement. It's about when I want to do this thing, I'm going to replace that time that I would do that with time in a conversation with God. So that time that I would normally be eating, I'm going to spend time with God. That time I would normally be doing whatever I'm doing, I'm going to be spending more time with God. It's also about doing something sacrificial. So the thing that we give up needs to be a big deal to us. If it's not a big deal to us, guess what? It's not a big deal to God either. So if you hate vegetables and you're like, I'm fasting vegetables for two weeks, great, not a big deal. Find something that's significant in your world and set that aside. And when those cravings for that thing come along and say, I want that, you can talk to your soul and say, you don't need that. You'll be okay. For two weeks, you'll be okay. You know what? We're learning self-discipline. We're learning how to desire God more than physical thing. And we're learning to allow God to speak to our souls. So there's some amazing things that can come from the spiritual discipline of fasting. If you're new, you're not familiar with it, you don't know where to start, pick up our fasting preparation guide at our Connection Center. It will help you get started. Now, as we close today, our worship team's gonna come and they're gonna sing a great song called It Is Well. And uh, if you're not familiar with that song, it's a great song for speaking to our souls. So here's what I encourage you to do while we sing. While we sing, identify that thing in your life that is causing anxiety or tends to cause anxiety. And then while we sing, turn this song into a prayer. Turn it into a conversation that you have with yourself about the condition of your soul. Tell yourself your soul is well. Your soul can be well as you learn to care for it. Let God speak to you through this song and then learn how to speak to your soul out of it. If you have a burden on your heart that's really big and you need to talk to somebody this morning like you need a trusted friend to talk to, um, I encourage you to stop by our care table before you leave and uh, we've got some amazing volunteers that would love to talk with you. I'll be out in our lobby as well. I'd love to talk with you as well. So stop by if you need to do that. Um, but this morning, let's close together and we'll speak to our souls. So let's pray. Lord, there are a lot of anxious souls in the world today. And Lord, I'm grateful for kind of discovering that Jesus, you battled anxiety. Never really put that together before, but it certainly makes sense looking at what you went through. 
And Lord, what we are experiencing in our nation, in our world, is causing a lot of anxiety for us. So this morning, we can learn from you, Jesus, and what you did and how you dealt with that anxiety. We can talk to trusted friends. We can talk to our Heavenly Father. And we can learn how to speak to our souls. So Lord, I I pray that you would teach us how to do that. Lord, because we know that out of our our souls and our care for our souls come either our responses to the world around us or our reactions. And Lord, we need to stop reacting. We need to start responding more and more out of our relationship with you. So Lord, speak to us today and teach us how to speak to our souls. In Jesus' name.